0: Well, welcome to the BGSN podcast, uh, John and uh, Joanne. And um, what we'll do is we'll just uh, kick off the 500th BGSN podcast by asking you to introduce yourselves, if that's at sort all of possible. Um, so, John, if we start with you,
1: sounds good. Thanks, Stefan, for having us. Uh, I'm John Dresner, editor in chief of the British Journal of Sports Medicine. I'm a sports and exercise medicine physician in Seattle, Washington, and work at the University of Washington in the USA
2: and um, thanks Stefan for the invitation and thanks John. I'm Jo Kemp, so I'm one of the editors at BJSM and I'm a a sports physiotherapist based in Melbourne, Australia and I also work at La Trobe University at the La Trobe Sport and Exercise Medicine Research Centre.
0: Perfect, thank you so much to both of you for joining us. Um, As I've mentioned it is the 500th BJSM podcast, Um, thank you I've not had to do all the previous 499, I think I've lost my Lost my sanity, although I would have learned a lot. And what we're going to do in this podcast over the next 15, 20 minutes, we'll try and keep it nice and light, is look back at the last 10, 15 years, um, not just in terms of BGSM, but maybe in the specialty in general. Um, And it'll be interesting to hear both of your perspectives, obviously, from your um, different backgrounds as well. So um, the first question I'm going to ask is, um, what do you think have been the main changes in sport and exercise medicine um, broadly over the last 10 years? Um, or uh, you can reflect broadly,
1: or maybe even in your respective subfields? Sounds good. Maybe I'll go first. And I know Joe will have other information to add here. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind with that question, Stefan, is is sort of the global community that's been created with sports and exercise medicine. And I, I think this is something that has been beneficial to everyone, all the clinicians and researchers in our space. It's a very multidisciplinary field. Um, I think BJSM has been really uh, part of the, the center point for this and creating a nice global community related to uh, what we understand you know, clinically, where our research gaps are, the direction of our field, et cetera. So I, I think that's been one emerging theme, and I think we're all thankful for some of our predecessors of the journal um, who helped, uh, you know, that move forward as well. You know, clinically, when I think of things that have changed over the last 10 years um, that have affected my patient care, um, I think of a few things. Um, You know, ECG screening, for instance, Um, once we were screening um, to prevent sudden cardiac death with just history and physical, I think um, a lot of sports medicine physicians uh, are using ECG now, and that's really emerged as as a as a standard. Um, I think the way we manage concussion has also changed over time. We used to tell people to rest and do nothing um, and sort of hide in a dark room until all their symptoms were gone. And now we understand that um, light physical activity early um, can assist recovery of those symptoms. And I think that's really changed the way we we address early activity and exercise after concussion. Um, I think injury prevention programs have become more prevalent and and that's something Joe can probably talk more about, but I I think we all understand the value. There's still a lot of challenges in their their implementation. And then the last thing that comes to mind probably over the last 10 years is just starting to look a little bit more at the social context and constructs around our research and the way we practice medicine. Um, The gendered environment would be one example. Um, but there's a lot of there, a lot of those out there, and that's certainly a focus for the future as well.
2: Yeah. Um. Thanks, John. I look. I totally agree with all that. And I guess if I take a perspective um, as a physiotherapist, there've probably been a lot of positive changes in the last ten or so years. In that, um, as a profession, I think. The scientific quality and the use of sort of evidence-based medicine has really improved in our in our profession. Um, we're using technology a lot more to try and improve access to um, good education for clinicians all over the world who may not have had access access, but also access to healthcare for patients. Um, but I think in terms of technology, there's still obviously huge inequity in access to the internet, for example, and that's really really important. Um, if both clinicians and patients are going to be able to access technology. I think as physios we're trying to conduct a lot more research in groups such as women and people with disability um, who may not have had, um, you know, been examined. And I think that that's really important because perhaps traditionally, you know, if we think about the injury prevention space that John just mentioned, um, those programs were always traditionally conducted in able-bodied men. And I think if we don't look at those other groups, then we're not going to really understand where, um, you know, whether they're the same or different and whether we need to look at different programs. Um, I think that social media has been something that's really, really changed the physio profession and that's been both positive and negative. Um, Obviously, you know, it's a great platform to be able to promote positive and inclusive messages and and disseminate information, but I think the physio profession, perhaps like other professions, is prone to um, to loud voices and people who decide that they are a guru and they have a really loud voice and a large platform on social media. And sometimes that's not always constructive or kind. And that can shut down some of the quieter, the, the voices that are equally important, but but maybe quieter, so particularly from from more vulnerable or marginalised groups. So women, people from the um, LGBTQI community, people of colour, people of disabilities might be less inclined to speak up on social media when there are those loud voices. And I think that that can perpetuate inequity. Um, And I'm not quite sure, Stefan, you might have some ideas on how we can change that as a a bit more of a social media guru. But I think that the, the rise of social media is really positive, but we just have to be really, really careful as well in
0: how that's used. Of course, yeah, I love both of your answers, because I think you covered some clinical challenges, but also we've gone much broader into almost societal um, issues there. Um, And kind of this question is going to dovetail slightly with what you've both spoken about. Over the same period of time, how is the role of a medical journal, so BGSM obviously, but maybe the academic um, world in general, how has that evolved in line with um, with the changes that you've seen over the last 10 years. And, and maybe you can kind of use that as a platform to then discuss how BGSM's current outputs um, and priorities um, are reflected as well.
1: Yeah, good good question, Stefan. And I think this will piggyback well on everything that Joe just, just mentioned, which, uh, which I agree with. Um, and I can share really my perspective of of how the medical journal has evolved more recently in my role. Um, but I think it links very well, again, to our predecessors and a, and a movement that was already started. Um, I, I think, like Joe just brought up, um, embracing diverse perspectives is really important in our field. and And it's something that I think we're shining a light on now, that we're certainly intentionally trying to do that in BGSM, um, whether that is author guidelines for consensus papers, where we where we actually talk about developing a diverse panel to bring in those diverse perspectives, um, whether it's representation through figures and our infographics, um, whether it's um, uh, the type of research that we want to publish in the groups that we're focusing on. I think embracing uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, and definitely those diverse perspectives, is really, really important for our field. And it's making uh, the research sort of richer and more beneficial. And I think we're, we're all gaining um, a better understanding from that. So I'd say that's one area there for the journal um, is a major focus that we're not just about the science. Of course, we want to be the best in sports and exercise medicine science, but we're also about the values and the principles of our discipline. And I think combining them both and being an example in our field, and sort of leading that um, that objective as well is part of of the platform that that BJSM really has the privilege to be part of, and that we can direct and shape our discipline not just around the science, but how we treat one another, the inclusiveness of the research that we do, the inclusiveness of the of the papers that we are interested in, the topics that we're at. You know, a couple of examples that come to mind. You know. Um, I think young, young clinicians are often very attracted to elite sport. Um, and, you know, and and we can gain a lot of knowledge and understanding from how we, um, engage with elite athletes and how we manage their, their injuries, et cetera. Um, but we need to be able to apply all of those same principles to every, individual at all levels of sport or activity, and even if they're not an athlete, they come in with musculoskeletal or medical issues related to exercise. And so I think sort of bridging that gap between elite sport and other levels or even population health when it comes to physical activity promotion is one really, really important area, and it will be uh, better accomplished as we embrace those diverse perspectives.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And I probably don't have a lot to add really to that, other than just to um to totally agree that I think we um as, as a journal BJSM um, has evolved alongside sort of what society expects now. And um and I probably like to think that perhaps we um can sort of set the tone and, and hopefully others will follow. I think I, I agree we have a really privileged platform that we should be using to try and um improve quality healthcare improve access to sport and to exercise across across communities, not just at the elite level, and really enhance physical activity. And I think one of the things that um, perhaps in the last five years that I've really seen change is the use of those diverse platforms. So not just the, um, the research articles, but you know, um, editorials and blogs on topics of high interest, using um, using platforms um, such as social media platforms and podcasts to really try and disseminate information to give access to as many different people as we pros- as we possibly can, and then programs um, which were you know I think in their infancy previously, and then I think which John has really led um, establishment of the EDI committee, for example, and the global mentoring program that I think really speak to our values and, and really ensure that our values are embedded in the journal and that people can see that they're a really, really important part of the journal.
0: Of course. Uh, and Joe's staying with you if that's okay, um, I'm gonna ask you to we've looked back a, a fair bit now, um, we've maybe gone from past to, to present. Um, And maybe it's the next 10 years and the next 500 podcasts. Um, Where's the field of sports and exercise medicine heading? And maybe you want to discuss from your background and your work as a a physiotherapist, especially. Um, What what, what are the next big advances? What can people look forward to? And what maybe are you most looking forward to um, in the next kind of decade?
2: Um, yeah, look, thanks, Steph. And, and I guess from my perspective, we can look at it sort of globally and then sort of at a more mundane um, professional level. I think globally, and I know John will probably have a lot to say about this as well, because I know he has really strong um, opinions about this. But when I think globally, um, where do we sit as sport and exercise medicine sort of clinicians and, and researchers, we can actually really uh, address what I consider the big challenges that that Um, are facing the world at the moment. So climate change is obviously a really, really huge one. Um, The global health challenges that we see, so things like future pandemics, but also the number of people who um, increasingly having lifestyle diseases because we are remaining sedentary. Um, And obviously, EDI is a big one. And then I think most recently, you know, the political instability that we see, they seem like really, really big challenges. But I think that as, um, as sport and exercise medicine practitioners, we can actually play a small part in trying to improve improve the world. So, you know, if we think about things like climate change, obviously there's going to be exposure to heat and um, the need to perhaps play sport and exercise in, indoors. But if I think as a physio, there's probably an increased and altered injury risk in sport because of the potentially altered um, playing conditions and injuries that people suffer might, may become more severe. Rehab programs that people need to do might need to change because of climate change, because of lack of of facilities or different facilities that are available or lack of access. So I think as a profession, we need to think really, really broadly about and start to plan ahead on how we can tackle those things. Um, I think some of the global health challenges... We know, you know, BJSM recently published three fantastic papers that that show that exercise and physical activity can have a really positive effect on diseases like COVID-19. And so I think if I think as a physio that my role is to try and optimise people's physical function so that they can exercise and play sport, then as a physio profession we need to get better at accessing the technologies like telehealth and engaging with groups perhaps in the lower socioeconomic demographics who may not normally have access to sport and physical activity, because if we're going to promote health across the globe, then we really need to improve access to to exercise and physical activity, but also the individual's capacity to do that. I think John's talked already about EDI, and I'm sure we'll have more to say, but I think that that goes hand in hand. You know, If we can try and improve access to to sport and to good quality sport in some of those groups that have been marginalised, and that includes people with disabilities, as well as some of those other groups that we perhaps more traditionally think of, then we're going to be able to to improve global health in that perspective. And then I think, um, obviously, war has been really, really topical at the moment, and Um, and and recently, but that's been going on for a long time in other parts of the world, particularly in the Middle East and and Central Asia, and I think sport historically has played an important role in bringing groups together and perhaps um, encouraging people to celebrate their differences and see beyond the differences, and I think that if we can improve people's access to sport, then that's going to really, really um, play an important role perhaps in trying to help overcome some of the political instability that we see at the moment. And then I think if I think more mundanely as a physio, I think that um, exercise is our core business as physios. It it should be. And we need to get a lot better at upskilling clinicians across the globe to be able to provide exercise, not just as therapy um, and rehab, but also to promote general health. And I think that um, as a physio, the quality of the research that we're doing is improving, but we still have a lot of challenges. Just thinking more scientifically about research design in fitting exercise into the traditional clinical um, trial paradigm, for example. So things like blinding participants, getting adherence, developing good comparative grips is really, really hard when you're dealing with an intervention like exercise. So I think as um, physiotherapy scientists and, and sport and exercise medicine scientists, we need to continue to work together to evolve and improve the quality of the research that we're doing to, to make sure that it, it really fits the communities that we're trying to work with
0: the answer
1: and uh, well, I'll throw the same question to to John I think sounds good Joe you know uh, first this is why I love working with you right i mean just beautiful answer and um a reminder that you know the direction of BGSM is formed by a lot of people and not just the editors but i really think the BGSM editorial board and our community at, at large and then we've all been inf- influenced profoundly by things that have happened in society and in the world, especially over the last few years, whether it's the pandemic, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, global warming, et cetera. And these are all issues that are on our mind. And then currently, you know, the 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 war and the the tragedies in Ukraine. And I, I think it's it's appropriate to pause just for a moment and, and um just sort of wish everyone who has been displaced um, you know, in Ukraine, um, you know, that they receive the uh, care and the assistance that they need, and that certainly our our thoughts are, are with everyone there. Um, you know, circling back to the question about where is where is our field going? You know, um, Joe formed a, a, a physio steering committee um, for BGSM, and I was happy to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. And um, some great minds were were on the Zoom call, and I expected to sort of hear about specifics within the field about directions we need to go or emphasize, and the entire discussion really was around values and principles and things that we can do to lift the physio community worldwide. So how can we help physio community in uh, countries, uh, low-middle-income countries who maybe have less access to um, resources around education or research and science and stuff like that? Um, and And again, I just think that the the happenings of today and of recent years have appropriately, I think, hopefully reset our focus to try to make the world a better place in, in more than just our one-on-one interactions in patient care or our one-on-one medical management or or rehab management of a condition. That there's much more to, to being a good human and you know having a good place in the world or making a healthier world um, than just how we manage the patients. It's how we interact, it's our values, you know, BJSM is um, very clearly um, and, you know, uh, against all forms of of racism and intolerance of all groups. And, And I think with that, moving forward, when I think of some specific areas that I think we need to address in sports and exercise medicine, you know, one of them is to start doing more research in our Marginalized and racialized groups and and underrepresented groups, Um, we don't have enough of that research, Um, they present some unique um, research questions and challenges and they deserve more focus and so hopefully that will emerge also over the next decade and maybe the next 500 podcasts um, that we that we have, um, you know, more research and more science coming out around that. I think one other area that uh, I think lacks and that we have to focus on is mental health. And if you look at the last couple of years with the pandemic, you know, mental health before the pandemic was already issues in our an issue in our athletes um, and our patients and probably under addressed. And now you you put the pandemic and all of the other issues of the world on top of that and the mental health issues in athletes have just soared. And we know that, um, Um, suicide rates and death by suicide have have, uh, unfortunately increased. There's been some tragic cases recently as reminders. Um, And the pandemic didn't help with inactivity and isolation and and wearing masks in school and all those things. And I think for our patients and our our athletes, we have to have a focus on mental health and, and creating some safeguards for them and some interventions or some screening that perhaps is more effective. And when you look at sort of um, sports psychology and mental health and athletes, there's just not enough research going on in there. And I see that as a real area of need. And then lastly, I just want to bring up what what Joe brought up with with climate change, Um, it's, it's unfortunately unavoidable. It's happening. It's, it's happening before us. It's probably happening faster than, than we really want to realize um, is going on. Uh, BGSM is in the planning stages of a, of a special edition on climate change to really address as sports and exercise medicine um, professionals, what do we need to plan for over the next 10 or 20 years? How is this going to change what we do as a profession, how we keep our athletes safe, how sports can be played, where people can exercise, whether it's because of extreme heat, extreme weather events like uh, droughts and floods, or sea level rise that can affect many of the cities that we play sports in. These are all things that are, that are happening that we have to address. And we're putting um, our, our climate science experts uh, in, in connection with our sports science experts. And we hope to have a really fabulous a special issue on climate change hopefully within the next 12 months to come out and help guide our profession over the next decade.
0: I'm sure people will be really looking forward uh, to all of those. Um, What I'm going to do just to finish I know we like to keep these to 15-20 minutes but I'm sure that Jimmy the podcast editor will forgive us for going maybe a minute or two over and I'm going to ask you both to I'm not prepared you for this either, so I apologize. Um, to maybe look back to when you were early career researchers, and if you put yourselves in those shoes at this stage in time, um, what what would you like to know in your it, it, kind of in the in, in the situation if that was now? What would you be focusing on? Maybe it's exactly what you what you said so far, or maybe what tips would you give to people who are going to be kind of um, working the way through the special the various
1: specialties involved in sport and exercise medicine? Sure. Maybe I'll field that first, And A really important question. You know, sort of, if I could go back in time, almost like what advice do I wish I received, um, you know, 20 years ago or, or more um, as I as began doing research? You know, I, I could admit that as a young researcher, I made lots of errors. Um, and I, I think that the biggest error for me was trying to take on too much at once in any one study, like trying to hit that home run study with so many different variables and founders and rather than just doing a simple study that's feasible and accomplishable and 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 sort of builds your experience in doing research and then you grow from there. Um, So for young researchers, I would I would be very focused on what your research question is. Make sure that the project is feasible. um, And and probably most importantly make sure it's a project that you're passionate about. I I think research is all extra. Um, Yes, you can get funded time and stuff like that, but research and writing usually happens early hours and late hours uh, in the quiet of your of your computer space. Um, and you need to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to believe that your research is going to make a difference. And I think finding that area for you that you're passionate about, then the research doesn't really feel like work. It feels like something um, that you want to do, and you're moving it forward that way. So, so make it feasible. Put your arms around it. Um, make sure you're passionate about it. And I think that would be a a good recipe for success.
2: Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think finding that thing that you're passionate about, we talked about that recently about, you know, following your, I guess your, if you're not passionate, you're not going to want to enjoy, you know, put the time and effort in that you need to do. And I think also just um, really listening to other people. So listening to clinicians and listening to, Patients because they have the really important research questions and um, and then being prepared to listen to people more experienced than you. So trying to work with work with people who you admire and respect and I think who have the same values as you is critical. If if, if you're working with someone who whose values don't align with yours, then it, it can become really really challenging. And I think that the best working relationships. That you have are with people whose whose values align with you, and I've been really really fortunate to and to continue to work with people who whose values whose values I um, align with mine, and I think that you know working with John and the BJSM editorial team is a is a really really great example of that, where um, you know John's led led us in a way that I think where his values are front and foremost, and I and and that makes it a really really easy and enjoyable working relationship we we spend a lot of time i think working and i think it's important that it's 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 fun and that we're doing it with people who we who whose company we really enjoy and whose values um we admire as well
0: that's brilliant well from from my perspective kind of looking up at the if if the samson and Brenda, kind of looking up to to the senior leadership group of yourselves and obviously john and jane as well Um, it's a very inspiring group of people and um, it's been a very inspiring 20 minutes or so listening to the the both of you speak Um, I think it would be, I'd like to take just two seconds to thank uh, two people in particular, Um, one Jimmy we've already mentioned, if we're looking back at 500 podcasts for Jimmy to listen to each and every single one and provide tips that have got got us this far and then obviously to um, uh, Professor Kareem Khan as well who I guess kickstarted all of this Um, so um, yeah john and 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 joe thank you so much for for contributing all of your time expertise um and experiences as well and providing some really nice practical lessons for for readers to take away and um listeners i hope you've enjoyed the last 500 and um hopefully um you'll be listening to many more uh, for years to come so please keep on checking back via social media and via whichever app you listen to and i hope you have a lovely physically active day